Good evening, everyone, and thanks for joining us for tonight's uh, V Brown Bag. I am showing the wrong side. All right, good. That's the, the thing that's going to go wrong. And uh, I'm your host, Tom Green, and we have an exciting show tonight about uh, nested vSAN. I think I put, tweeted out some stuff that uh, we're talking about hybrid. We're really more just going to be talking about nested vSAN. We're going to be talking about uh, monitoring and everything that you can do inside your home labs. Our presenter tonight is Tony Reeves, and he will take it away soon. But first, we have a little bit of housekeeping. Um, as many of you know, the V Brown Bag is very interactive. Uh, we're going to be having a lot of questions. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up that I know you'll have questions about. So I'll be monitoring the hashtag VBrownBag. So if you want to take it to Twitter um, and hit us up at hashtag VBrownBag, even if you're watching this after the live show hits YouTube, uh, tweet out your questions to hashtag VBrownBag, and we will certainly take care of you. There are a multitude of other shows that happen throughout the week. You can get the entire schedule, see all the topics at vbrownbag.com slash brownbags. Uh, and uh, without any further ado, uh, Tony, go ahead and take it away. Thanks. So let me get presenter over to you. All right, it should be coming your way. All right, see the slideshow? You are good to go. All right, so uh, my name is Tony Reeves. I'm a network administrator at Hoffmaster Corporation. We are uh, our Hoffmaster Group. We are a small paper converting company up in Wisconsin and um, uh, been going through a lot of things with vSAN in production. Uh, we installed vSAN a couple of years ago and been an enthusiast of the product ever since. Uh, right now, actually, uh, in my day job, I'm going through an expansion and upgrade of, uh, of my production vSAN. And uh, just kind of wanted to go through some things in my home lab I've been working on, show a few different tools that you guys can get that may be free or some sort of an NFR or other means like vExpert or vMug Advantage that you can try out and uh, just kind of wanted to go through some of those things. Uh, let's see. So a little bit about me. I've got a little over 12 years of experience in IT, coming up on 13 years now. Um, right now I am a VCP6 and VCP5 in the data center virtualization. Uh, 2017 vExpert was my first vExpert this past year. And um, um, in August, right before VMworld, got vExpert vSAN uh, accreditation, which is pretty cool. And you can follow me on Twitter at importcarguy. And I started a blog at the encouragement of a friend uh, about a year ago, actually. Um, so you can go to digitalvspace.com and check that out. And I recently, within the past several weeks, became a Wisconsin vMUG steering committee member. So that's pretty exciting stuff there. Lots going on. So here's kind of the overview agenda. We're going to go through the purpose of why I built the home lab, do some, uh, just some quick specs for all the uh, hardware nerds out there. And uh, we'll go through some demo, and then we'll go through some of the other resources, things that you can uh, kind of get out there. And then we'll 
have some questions at the end. So the main reason was I wanted to study for my VCP and learn VMware at my own pace. Um, I was enrolled at an MATC, which is Milwaukee Area Technical College course for getting my VCP. Um, that was the install configure managed course that I had to take. And um, nested vSAN or nested VMware labs inside of uh, Fusion was cool, uh, but I wanted, I wanted real hardware. I wanted bare metal to play with that and see what it was really like. Nested kind of gets a little abstract and it, that's, it's fine when you're, you know, more advanced, but when you're starting out, it's a little bit simpler to understand it at the bare metal level, I think. Um, and I've always loved tinkering with computers. I had wanted a real server for gosh, as long as I could remember. I always thought it was cool at my day job when they were, uh, we would install a new server and it's always like Christmas unpacking new hardware. So, uh, again, wanted the ability to play with real hardware as I'm a hands-on learner. That's, that's the way that I learn best. Um, and it's a hobby. I've always been into computers. I've been building my own computers since 2001, gaming rigs, et cetera. And I uh, just find this stuff really fun. And there's a lot of other systems besides just VMware that I wanted to learn. I wanted to have the ability to do that. Uh, job opportunities that came from learning in the lab. Um, and then of course, the all famous blinky light syndrome. I love the blinky lights. Um, the other thing is when I purchased my first server, this was back in, I wanna say 2014, I ended up getting an R610. So the picture, I guess it would be top center, that's the day of delivery. I had to pull the lid and see what was under the hood here. Um, I got a, originally had a Dell R610 with dual processors. They were the X5650 processors. Uh, with 48 gig of RAM and then just mirrored 146 gig 10K SAS drives. Uh, was planning on running VMware, didn't want anything crazy on the storage side. I uh, knew I'd be doing my own thing there. And uh, picked up a used 24 port, one gig Netgear smart switch. Um, not a uh, managed switch, but had some of the more advanced functionality I was looking for at the time. I was starting out with the lab and I also built a basic FreeNAS box um, just with a, I believe it was an old Athlon processor at the time and used the built-in uh, SATA ports on the board. Didn't have anything fancy there. Uh, and then I ran iSCSI to FreeNAS over uh, dual one gig links. And then was using Veeam VM backup free edition. Uh, but I did get a full Active Directory domain with dual uh, redundant domain controllers up at the time. I had some licensing that I was able to obtain uh, through going to school uh, for my Microsoft server licensing. And that was, that was the basis. You can see over here, um, there's another photograph of my first rack it was just a quick little cheap Home Depot rack, wire rack, uh, did the job, a little messy, but um, I couldn't find a, another picture where I actually had all the cable routing no, uh, done nice and neat. Uh, so that was the only one I could find in my archives from back, way back when. And it did the job. I, I played around with a lot of different things at that time and uh, went through a lot of different changes. Um, here we're seeing some of those changes. So I went through a lot of different routers. I kind of got tired of, once I started really getting serious about the home lab, I got tired of 
your average consumer router always breaking on me or having some sort of an issue or having some sort of a limitation, something that I couldn't do that I wanted to do in terms of advanced port forwarding, things like that. And so I kind of switched over to uh, Ubiquiti Edge Router, the ER Lite with the three port gig uh, router. Um, went through some HP Pro Curve switches, uh, had a sonic wall that was pretty stable, but I, I started to see some issues towards the end of that, uh, the life of that product. So um, upgraded FreeNAS to a powerful i7 system. Actually, um, some of you gamers out there might cringe, but I didn't have as much time for gaming any longer, and I wanted to get that power. Um, instead of just sitting idle, I wanted to put it to good use. So I upgraded my FreeNAS with my i7 uh, gaming system. Uh, added in an R710 and a T610 uh, with some work migrations. I was able to virtualize some things and uh, had some other things uh, at work, some projects that allowed me to free up some servers for the home lab. Uh, and then actually a lot more recently, came across by accident when I was looking for a new rack, I came across a couple of R710s on Craigslist uh, just in December. Uh, got a really good deal on it through actually a fellow v Wisconsin VMUG member and uh, added those to the lab as well. Uh, and one of the other things that I really wanted was I had things kind of spread around the basement. I had some things connected with fiber optic cables, but I wanted everything kind of all in one spot. I wanted to get it organized, wanted to get it nice and neat uh, and consolidate. And then also I wanted to get things all in one power circuit. Um, I wanted to be able to run our UPS and have everything kind of all in one spot. And a huge shout out to Aaron Bolthouse. I don't know if he's listening, but he is a fellow BMUG member and co-leader with me. And um, he gave me this awesome rack you're seeing in this picture here for a case of beer. So th there's a little bit more on that in the, uh, in the how to find gear section at the end, but don't be afraid to reach out to fellow IT folks uh, at VMUGs and, and see what they may have that they're either upgrading or selling or maybe their company is upgrading or selling and maybe you can get a good deal on it. So this is Home Lab 2.0. So we've got four main hosts. Uh, it's actually 33 VMs now. Um, the one thing that's constant about a Home Lab is that it's always changing. And I've got the backup server <coughs> is the sideways mounted T610 there uh, towards the bottom. Uh, FreeNAS server is kind of hard to see. It's just off to the side. It's the um, the old Antec gaming case with the Air Force sticker on it. That's where the FreeNAS is housed. And I've got 88 CPU threads total, 656 gig of RAM across the entire lab. That includes the FreeNAS server. That includes the backup server. And uh, about 16 terabytes of storage. And that's kind of spread out a little bit. It's The majority of it is in FreeNAS. Um, There's some limitations there in terms of some upgrades that I'm doing, some things I'm still in transition to. Uh, you'll see that in the picture of the uh, 10 gig switch here right below the cable management that I only have a couple of those DAC cables plugged into those SFP plus slots. That is something I am working on migrating the entire lab over to, uh, to dual redundant 10 gig links in the future. In terms of network hardware, uh, Meraki, MX64 firewall, uh, core switch is a Cisco 3750G PUE48, and the 10 gig switch is a Quanta LB6M 
It's a 24 port SFP plus, and uh, we're in transition to that device in the lab. It also has four management ports. And in terms of 10 gig connectivity, the single link that's active right now would be the server in the bottom of the stack in the rack there, um, the last R710 that you saw. That is a uh, connection going straight to FreeNAS from that server. So again, that's kind of a, uh, uh, that was a POC. Wanted to make sure everything would work. And that is where the majority of the VMs are sitting so they can run on that 10 gig for now until we get the, uh, the rest of the transition done there. Uh, and ubiqu Ubiquity Unify Wireless Access Point. Um, that is actually in need of upgrading. That is a three, four-year-old model. I would like to get the new Unify AC Pro. And set for network hardware. So in terms of the hey, hardware that we have here. Yep. Uh, we do have a comment already. Uh, yep. Heath says, uh, was curious if he could um, get a rack for a case of beer too from uh, from you or from anyone in your V mode. <laughs> nice. I take that as a no. Sorry, Heath. Yeah, you're out of luck, buddy. Um, so the main hosts are Dell R610, uh, dual Xeon X5560 Prox, 96 gig of RAM in that guy, and uh, four by 300 gig drives, just uh, the 10 gig or the 10k drives. Um, that host is, once I get everything migrated over to 10 gig, that is going to be my management host. So that's where vCenter is going to sit. That's where um, a lot of the management VMs are going to sit in the stack. And uh, the Dell R710, the first one, E5620s, dual procs, that's loaded to the max with uh, 8 gig DIMMs, 144 gig. Uh, 2 by 146 gig drives and 4 by 450. Um, that is actually running storage uh, for VMs currently. Again, once everything is transitioned to 10 gig, then I'll have everything in FreeNAS. And uh, the third host is currently not powered on. It does have ESXi 65U1 installed on it. It's ready to go, ready to rock. But at this point with, I did not bother to configure the RAID for the 4x450s, so there's no storage on it and there's no connection to FreeNAS right now. So there's, there's really no point in getting that uh, that machine powered up and sucking power when I don't have any purpose for it yet. Um, then again, a mirrored config on that last host. And then I, I also found a really good deal on eBay for iDRAC 6 Enterprise cards. Um, purchased my first one, I think it was like 30 or $40. A few years later, I purchased a couple of them for the R710 and the T610 that I added and they got down to like, I wanna say $20. And then these last couple that I purchased, they went down to only like $14. So pretty affordable if you're looking for that kind of stuff on eBay. So uh, we do have a couple, one smart comment and then one question. Okay. Uh, Ken Nalbone asks if he can have some hard drives for a case of beer. Uh, nope. Okay. So it, it seems nope. like beer. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. We already negotiated that. You're getting your drives next week. And uh, Graham Mitchell actually has a, a constructive comment. So thank you, Graham. Uh, okay. You may not want to be buying R710s anymore, uh, just as a general for anybody listening, because ESXi65 says the CPUs won't be supported for the next version of vSphere. That is correct. 
but for my purposes, everything is everything's good. I can run everything that I need to in the lab for now. And and you have to remember that this is a home lab. This isn't production. And just because it says it's not supported doesn't mean it's not going to run. So um, I do have plans. You know, a couple of years down the road, I'd like to upgrade them to you know all our 620 or 720 or 630 or 730 series servers. Uh, maybe I could consolidate that down to a couple of servers instead of four, save some money on power. Um, but I'm going to pay for it. You know, it just depends on what's out there in the used market when I'm ready to upgrade. But yeah, good point. All right, I think we're good. Okay. So storage hardware. So don't remember the exact specs of the original FreeNAS box, but it was an Athlon XP dual core processor, nothing special, just an old ASUS gaming motherboard. Um, and this pretty powerful machine, as I mentioned earlier, that wasn't being used uh, to its potential. So it's Core i7-3770K processor, 32 gig of DDR3 RAM. Uh, I've got one Samsung 840 Pro SSD, 256 gig for L2Art caching, and then seven by three terabyte HTST drives, um, 7200 RPM. And uh, they're connected through an LSI 9211 8i, and it is flashed to IT mode, so it's straight pass through, no, uh, no hardware interference to FreeNAS software RAID. Uh, about 12 terabytes available, and it's ZFS2, so I can tolerate two failures. And it is currently connected at 10 gig. Um, when I, through the first couple of iterations of the lab, uh, when I got the first R610 is when I first uh, set up four gig fiber channel and it, it served me really well. I had it on, in the lab for quite a while, for at least two, three years. I only recently pulled it out. Um, wanted to make that migration to 10 gig. As you see, I've already made the investment in the switch but wanted to let you know that, you know, four gig is still a viable alternative for a home lab and it's pretty affordable. You can get used um, LC connectors, you can get, you know, fibercables.com, you can get super cheap fiber cables. Um, so that's still a viable option and that's what it was previously connected with. Um, I was actually having some problems with FreeNAS. Um, I tried to upgrade to a newer version and that doesn't always go well in FreeNAS. And I had some complications and uh, I was frustrated enough to just borrow a SAN from work and give that a try and see how that went. Um, it didn't go too well. I got everything up and running and I had two shelves of storage. So I had uh, 24 by 300 gig 15K SAS drives. Um, I was running RAID 6 with a hot spare, but it was too power hungry and it was extremely loud. And I was hoping to potentially save power because there's four power supplies, two per shelf, I was hoping to save some power by switching two of the power supplies off. Now the problem when you do that is the device thinks it's in a failure state since it's enterprise hardware and it starts spinning up other fans to compensate so it gets even louder. So I ran it as uh, for, I wanna say three, four months and I had enough of it. So just recently was able to migrate off of that and get FreeNAS back up and running and convert it over from four gig fiber channel to 10 gig and that solved that problem. So for backups, I've got a the Dell T610 that I mentioned earlier, and that's got dual E5530s in it, 96 gig of RAM, uh, two by 146 gig drives, RAID one for the operating system, um, and then 
four by one terabyte 7200 rpm backup disks uh, those are uh, Dell disks I'm not quite sure why they're uh, such a low rpm but they are um, and I'm running Veeam backup and replication 9.5 and backups are replicated to an external USB 4 terabyte drive as well so I've got redundant backups there um, and you might ask why is it loaded with 96 gig of RAM when it's only a Veeam backup server and the answer to that question is it's loaded up with RAM because it's a backup VMware host in case I have a failure elsewhere in the lab I can take up that load and I have already got a USB stick configured with ESXi 65U1. It's all loaded up, uh, ready to go, and I can uh, kind of use that in a failover. And I can use the iDRAC to install a new image if I need to remotely as well. I've got the SD card, the vFlash option on there, and I can uh, do whatever I need to with that server. Any other questions? Uh, yeah, we have, what's the limitation on the Veeam backup license? And is that limited to vExperts or is it a freely available license? Uh, the Veeam is a NFR from uh, the vExpert program, yes. There is a Veeam backup free edition. I believe it, uh, what is it, the Veeam zip version they call it, but it is manual backup only. It can't be full scheduled backups like the NFR that I have can be. Um, so you definitely have options. Also, if you're looking at the free version, and you're not a V expert, you don't have access to an NFR, you can still um, use uh, PowerShell. You can actually script a backup. So you can use the free product to get a scripted backup and, and you can schedule that with Task Scheduler and you can still make yourself an automated backup even if you don't have the full licensed product. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Was that it for questions? Um, there's another comment that a four gig yep. uh, fiber channel switch runs about a hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, that stuff just that stuff just keeps falling in price. That's all. And actually, oh, sorry. Actually, I didn't even have a switch in mine. Uh, what I did is I bought a two port fiber channel card and put it in FreeNAS, and then I had one server connected on one port and the other server connected on the other. So at the time when I was running that, I didn't even have to have any kind of a switch. I just did direct connect and it worked great. So it's another way to save yourself some money depending on the number of servers that you have. Yeah, I think that's uh, everything off of Twitter and um, the chat here, so. Okay. So the next step was power. Um, with the new lab, the new rack and all the new servers, I wanted to make sure that this was safe uh, first and foremost. Um, I had actually originally run a 20 amp circuit in the in my basement for this purpose for future use and it took me a couple of years to get around to the point where I needed it but I had a 20 amp circuit run and I ran a higher gauge wire with the possibility of expanding the 30 amp down the road and it turns out it's a good thing that I did because uh, a good friend from um, Minneapolis VMUG and Eau Claire VMUG or I should say North Central Wisconsin VMUG uh, Dustin Plank donated a uh, 30 amp 3000 VA APC smart UPS to the lab. Um, thank you. Thanks again, Dustin, if you're listening. And um, that needed a 30 amp input. It was still 125 volt, thankfully, or I couldn't have used it if it was 208 uh, or 220. And um, so I've got two PDUs breaking out from the main UPS. 
And then I also had, I originally had a trip light 1500 via UPS and that's running the internet modem, firewall, uh, wireless access point, PoE injector, and just a couple other small little things. And the 12 gauge wire is, is running for the dedicated 30 amp circuit. There's also breakers on the UPS and there's breakers on the PDUs. So anywhere down the chain, if anything is overloading, there's multiple safety failure points before I would have a fire, thankfully. And demo time. Is everybody still awake out there? Yeah, we're all waiting for the live demo. I think I've uh, already taken care of all the the flubs, so we should be good to go. Okay. Ah, yes. Team viewer, hang on one second. And while you're doing that, uh, Ken says Veeam will give a NFR key out if you're nice. And then if you check out the hashtag vbrownbag or uh, at Ken Nalbone on Twitter, he has a link for how to get an NFR. Nice. Officially from veeam.com, so he's not you know, posting a life hack or whatever. Gotcha. All right, there we go. All right, so here is the lab. So not much running on the R610 right now. Actually, I've got it powered off to say power until I can get the 10 gig up and running and get everything set up yeah. to make it a management host. Tony, all we can see right now is just the word demo. So, oh, really? Yeah, and a team viewer, like kind of half of your allow remote control password. That's so weird. Maybe showing the... I think that's the case. How about now? There you go. Okay. So, let's see here. So we've got some VMs running on this host. see yeah and the nested lab drs lens i don't have that powered on right now i have turbonomic i have to get that up and running again but um so the everything that's running there is running off of built-in storage on that host as i mentioned earlier so the most content i've got here is running on freenas so let's go there Uh, right now, it looks like we got plenty of memory free. Uh, where am I going here? VMs, that's where we go. All right, so, <clears throat> and we're going to go through some of these in a minute, but we've got the vSAN lab, we've got uh, vRealize log insight, uh, we've got RuneCast, which is a great tool for troubleshooting your environment, seeing uh, security leaks, uh, potential. Um, KB fixes, lots of other things that we can go through in there. Um, got a file server where I keep a lot of my stuff. I mean, I know a lot of people keep your content, your personal um, photographs, things like that. Try, they say best practice is to keep them outside your lab. I keep them inside my lab. Uh, I just make sure that I've got it backed up in like four spots. So if anything ever happens, I still have everything. Um, so this is the vSAN lab here, the nested vSAN lab. And this is a six node. And got VROPS, six six. 
There's that vCenter and a couple of domain controllers, SQL hosts, all that fun stuff. Um, played around with virtual firewalls as well with PFSense and uh, Forda OS there. So let's go here. If people want to see FreeNAS, here it is. I'm running 11.1. And we've got the 32 gigs of RAM in there. Services wise, the FreeNAS, if you didn't know, FreeNAS is free. Hence the word free in the name. So here's my Z volume uh, presented to VMware. And it's based off of these disks here in this volume. So you can see the three terabyte disks, and then we've got the 256 gig cache device. And this DA8 device, that's just the, um, the FreeNAS boot USB stick. Uh, there's a lot you can do with FreeNAS though. You can actually load plugins, you can run all kinds of different things. It's not quite as feature, feature rich or as easy to use as something like a Synology or a QNAP device, uh, but it works. And I've been using FreeNAS for quite a while, so I've been pretty happy with it. And we're looking at system loading is actually pretty minimal. Seen it. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, Graham was wondering if you script your lab builds or if it's all artisanally handcrafted. Uh, it's actually kind of a mixture of both. So the main, the main lab that you see here that's not nested, a lot of it is experimental things I like. I really like tinkering with new software, uh, versioning, seeing what is new with new tools. Um, so a lot of that stuff can change, um, like, you know, vRealize, login site, vROPS, those change a lot. Um, the nested lab is automated, and I'm going to show you a little bit about that. Uh, we can go into the lab, and I can show it to you, um, but I can show you some of the stuff that I've used uh, scripting-wise to create that lab. Um, just a hint, William Lamb is involved. He's a genius with that stuff. Ah, that's what I was afraid of. Timed out. Give me one second to log in here. Yeah, the, the logins earlier were just to make sure you could remember your password. Pretty much, yep. While we're waiting, Britton says that he is having trouble hearing you because the fans are too loud in his home lab. Going back to your... Uh, <laughs> Your earlier comments about the enterprise SAN. Yes, and actually, for anybody that is interested, I downloaded a um, an app on my phone, a decibel meter, and I was curious how loud my new lab is because adding that ten gig in switch, uh, ten gig switch in it added some noise. Servers are pretty decent uh, noise level wise. If anybody's wondering, on the R six ten and R seven tens are not too bad, and my Cisco switch is virtually silent. Um, which was not the case with my HP Pro Curve. That sucker was a noisy, whiny thing. I was glad to send that down the road. And um, the 10 gig switch added a little bit of noise, but anyway, standing about five feet away, it's about 45 to 50 decibels, so it's not too bad. So, 
apparently this isn't linking up. I was going to show you how awesome it is that vRealize Operations Manager and vRealize Log Insight work together and talk to each other so you can actually go to, into either tool from either tool, which is actually pretty neat. I thought I had it set up. I must have not reset that up. I recently redeployed this. Yeah, I think you have to link it under administration if you deploy one. And yeah. de deploy vrops after you already have login side out. Something like that. So, I mean, this is just kind of a high level, quick view of um, vrops where I can kind of get an idea if there's any issues with my main clusters. And there we've got one critical, and that is the ESXi1 host, the R610 that is down for power reasons right now. Let's see if there's anything else going on in here. And yep, we've got some warnings on my file server. <laughs> That's a constant battle. And what else we got? Yeah, so these are just some warnings in the nested lab, which are kind of irrelevant because it's a nested environment. Let's see what we've got going on here data store-wise. Looks like I'm all good there. A little bit ago, before I migrated some more stuff over to FreeNAS, I actually had the, uh, the onboard storage on the second host. I had it loaded out pretty bad, and that was alarming in here. I didn't like that. It's always best when there's alarms if you're showing for your loss because otherwise it's kind of boring. I love the new interface though. Yeah, I love the new look. I just, I haven't, I've been so busy with so many different things. I haven't had a lot of time to dive into a lot of the new versions. Um, but I really like the, the new look. Let's go over here to this. So the last thing I was playing with was iDRAC, the iDRAC content pack. I want to get that tied into my iDRAC 6 card. So I haven't got that working yet, but I'm playing around with it. Anybody has any instructions on that or has done that recently, that would be awesome. And I did tie vSAN to this a while ago, but it broke because I actually had to disconnect it and rebuild something on the vSAN. So I've get to, I have to get that tied back in. I'm very curious to see how that content pack uh, pulls information in from vSAN. And let's see, there's a lot of stuff you can do in here. I think one of the most useful things with Log Insight, you can even do it with the version that comes, just the 25 OS model that comes with the vCenter is, uh, making a dashboard that keeps track of what changed on VMs and when they were modified and stuff. Yeah, I have to get a lot of that set up. There's a lot of really cool custom dashboards out there that I want to try out with and play around with. Yeah, because before 6.5, it was almost impossible to, uh, to see who modified a VM. And in the, with Log Inside, all you have to do is type in the word modified in interactive analytics and save it as a dashboard, and it's your gotcha graph. Nice. If anybody changed something, you gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've got all my hosts pointing here. Um, I'm working on getting some more things pointed over here. Get 
a lot more content packs activated. So, I mean, as always, it's always a work in progress. You struggle to find the time to get everything up and running that you want to get and play around with. But let's take a look at RuneCast here. So for those of you that don't know, this is actually a pretty cool tool. Uh, this is a VExpert NFR item. But I don't know if you can get a NFR outside of that, potentially, if you reach out to the company. Um, that's the other thing is don't be afraid when you're looking for things to try out. Don't be afraid to reach out to vendors and see what they have to offer. They may have an extended trial. They may have an NFR that they can give you. Even if you're not any kind of an advocate, you just want to try it out in your home lab, just don't be afraid to ask. All they, all they can say is no, right? So this tool, it's an OVA appliance that you deploy, and it will connect to your vCenter, and it does a, a lot of different things. It will analyze your environment against known VMware KB articles so that you can know that if you are potentially affected or if you are affected, what the potential fix may be. And then um, it also gives you best practices for the, your infrastructure and then security hardening recommendations. Now, some of those security hardening recommendations I have had to ignore, and you can see that I've got quite a few issues in the environment because of those. Um, the nested environment requires forged transmits and MAC address and promiscuous mode and all of those things to be turned on. And RuneCast doesn't like it. Obviously, it's a, it sees it as a critical security issue, so it's kind of flagging that. But let's go in. Let's see what we have for issues here. Okay, so let's see. So there's some patches that need to be applied at the ESXi level for Spectre and Meltdown. So you can kind of see what that article is about, and then you can say, click over on findings. You can see the affected objects that that applies to. And you can see that I'm on build 676-5664 of 65U1. And that's obviously not the latest, so that is affected. You can kind of go down the line and see this host needs to be updated. This is running the last uh, July build of 65U1. So it's kind of cool. You can see at a glance what you're looking at. See your security compliance. See what we got here. You can see critical, major, and others all at a layer view. Zero KB issues found in logs, 10 KBs applicable. So these are some of the same things here. Okay, it's complaining about some virtual machine guest OS checks. It's interesting. So it's it's a really cool tool to get some more insight into your environment. There's a lot of tools out there for doing different kinds of things, but I think RuneCast is kind of unique in the fact that it configures uh, or it analyzes your environment against VMware KB articles. I don't think there's really anything else out there that's doing that. 
And here you can see another alarm here for cluster has consistent versions of ESXi hosts because of that prod build. You can see it's, it's notating the differences between host two and host four there, the different versioning. Uh, let's see what else we got here. What else are we failing on? Timeouts for ESXi shell and SSH sessions. So it just goes through and it gives you a lot of different information and insight into your environment that you might not always see. So there is a question. Are you able to yeah. set the custom KPI basically for like security hardening or uh, best practices or is it just not customizable or do you know? That I do not know. That would be a good question for a Runecast rep. Um, let's see. So you can see in here, NTP time synchronization. If you had anything in there that was passing or failing, you'd be knowing about that. Kitties discovered. All knowledge, that's an awesome button, all knowledge. So let's see if we have anything else here. That's an interesting one. I'm not running vCenter 5.5, but Heartbleed, that's interesting find. Not sure why it's mentioning that one, but all right. So let's, that's about all I wanted to show in RuneCast. Are there any questions on RuneCast before I move on? Yes. Uh, does it tell you about mismatched driver and firmware? Uh, or does it not go that deep? Because that's I, probably not a VMware. Yeah, I don't know that it goes that deep. That's a good question, though. I can look into it and find out. Yeah. If, that that'd be good to know because yes, it's always a fight when you manage your own infrastructure. Yep. So the nested lab is over here. Moving on to that portion of it, and <clears throat> I had alluded to William Lamb earlier. He is the guy whose scripting I used for this. So he's got uh, blog articles. It's it's getting a little outdated now. Uh, he hasn't updated it in about a year, I think, according to the change log. Yeah, 221 of last year. So it's not going to work on the latest versions, but you can you can just deploy the scripting. You can get it to work, and then you can actually tweak it, and you can still save yourself a lot of time in terms of you know, scratch building, uh, something like this. So <clears throat> go in here. Actually, I do have... next slide in the slideshow if I just go back to that real quick. So <clears throat> again, I got the idea from William Lamb. All credit goes to him at his blog at virtuallyghetto.com and it uses PowerCLI to create an entire nested vSAN lab. Um, it can be spun up quick for when you're testing and discarded easily when you're done. You don't have to you know, have, take up this disk space, eat up the power, et cetera, if you don't need it. And it's really a quick, easy way to get hands-on with vSAN. Um, another way to do that, of course, uh, and have latest versions is, you know, vSAN or VMware hands-on labs. Um, 
And then the other cool thing is this script can actually deploy NSX too. It's uh, an older version, um, but it still worked up to, I believe 6.3, 6.4 is out now, but here's kind of an example of after you get the scripting set up, what it's asking or what it's kind of telling you, what you've configured everything to be, your pre-configured uh, passwords and everything in the script, uh, what it's gonna take in terms of your CPU memory and your storage out of your environment. So it kind of gives you a summary and you know, would you like to proceed with this deployment? And those are all in uh, PowerCLI. I can actually show you the um, scripting here. So if we go back to this screen here, so this is what the William Lamb script looks like. So you kind of go through it and you define what you want everything to be in terms of your, um, your targets. You give it a OVA uh, and this is the nested ESXi appliance template that you get from William Lamb's blog. And then you put your extracted VCSA in a certain path, your NSX OVA in a path, and then the offline bundle for ESXi in a path. And then you can configure however many hosts that you want in that nested environment. You can configure your uh, vCPU and your memory and your disk. In this case, these are caching disks for uh, vSAN and then capacity disks for vSAN. You can set your values for that there. Um, your vCSA deployment size, um, IP, DNS, uh, your nested passwords for all of that. Um, you can deploy it on the uh, standard switch or a distributed switch. Uh, define your storage, your networking here. So you're just putting all of these values in here and once you get it done and you deploy it, you have a nested lab. Um, it, it varies depending on the number of nodes that you're deploying or the number of virtual host VMs that you're deploying, of course but I found that deploying six, uh, it was about 45 minutes by the time everything was done, configured, and you had a, a active vCenter and everything was good to go. Um, that, was, that was back in its heyday when it was still fully functioning. Um, I do have to finish now some manual steps now, add a vCenter in and, and create the, finalize the vApp and some other things um, since it's getting a little long in the tooth, but it's, it's pretty cool. I just wanted to show people the code there. And let's look at the lab. So how am I doing on time? We'll see if we can get this done. I have a little bit of a little bit of a demo here. Inside the nested vSAN cluster here, we've got for an update manager, you can see that this particular host is compliant. And I've got a live VM up here as well. This is an Ubuntu release. You can see that it's live, it's active, and it's running, you know, two layers deep in inception or nested. <laughs> okay, we'll skip the software updater inside there. But I just wanted to show you that this is actually a live functioning VM um, running on top of the nested vSAN. And if we go here, we'll see that this host is not compliant. It's on build 596.9303. 
Um, so what we want to do is we want to actually patch this. And I just want to kind of do a live demo to show how easy it is to patch a vSAN host on a, a live cluster with, with VMs running on top of it. So we've got our critical patch group. So we're going to go ahead and click next on that. We've got our host that we're going to patch. Uh, there's the patch release date and the patch name. You can schedule it to run later if you want, but I'm going to run it obviously live here. And we're going to choose do not change VM power state. Um, we're going to leave all these other options as is. And then one other checkbox here is you can save those as the default host remediation options. So you don't have to choose these every time, which is nice. Uh, we're going to disable DPM if it's enabled for any of these selected clusters. And then we're going to migrate powered off and suspended VMs at the other host in the cluster. And we're going to disable HA. Let's just save those as the default options next. And then here's, here's a really cool thing you can do. It's a pre-check remediation. So you can kind of get an idea what may need to be done on your cluster in order to get it ready for this remediation, this host remediation. So in this case, it's nested. It's nested. I'm not worried about uh, EVC being disabled. They're all like virtual nested processors. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to say finish. All right. So you can see down here, it's remediating the entity. And if I go back to this vCenter and I go to this host and I pull up my console, we can kind of watch that. All right, so again, this VM is still up. We can still click through it. We can still do stuff. Might be a little sluggish because it's running on a nested vSAN. Let's see here. It's getting ready to enter maintenance mode as soon as this VM moves. Any other questions while we're waiting for this? No, nope, nothing has <clears throat> come in through chat or through Twitter. Okay. Uh, so I think I think you're you're doing just fine. Things are okay. Everybody so we are... knows everything. <laughs> so now we're going into install mode, and it's initializing the reboot. So let's. Take a look at the VM remote console. And you'll note the build 5969303 there. And, and this is running on Rust on your free NAS, right? Like the VMs for this virtualized? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. The nested lab, everything is running on free NAS. Yep. Okay. Okay, looks like we're booting back up. And there you can see we're on the new build. Just wait for that to finish up. Oh, we are almost out of time already. So uh, how much capacity is in your vSAN cluster uh, in the para-virtual lab there? Um, I can tell you as soon as it is done, I believe it's 10 gig cache and 20 gig capacity per node, but I can double check. It's got to finish initializing the SSD and bring it back into the array here. So we do have a question and uh, did you notice a difference in speed between the fiber and the 10 gig ASCSI um, connections? I have not running any kind of IO meter tests or anything like that yet. Um, I'm sure the more dense my lab gets, the more that's going to help in terms of overall IO, but I don't know that I'm going to see any kind of individual um, speed increases due to the fact that I'm already kind of bottlenecked at the storage level. You know, FreeNAS can only do so much with 7,200 RPM drives, even if it is SSD cached. So my goal is to um, is to upgrade to a native vSAN at some point. Um, I've got, uh, that's kind of the whole reason for the 10 gig is to run native vSAN. Uh, I, I won't be able to run a all flash array I don't have the money for the um, capacity SSDs, but I'm going to at least get cache SSDs and run in a um, hybrid mode. So uh, that plan is coming further down the line. So let's go monitor. Oh, cluster level here. So we've got all of these failures with the host being out of the cluster. It should be back shortly, it looked like. Um, in regards to uh, the question earlier about can RuneCast see firmware level, um, vSAN can. So it can see your controller driver, it can see that it's VMware certified or not, and it can tell if your controller firmware is VMware certified or not. And there are certain types of controllers that are um, capable of being updated with this update software button here where um, it would force a reboot at the end, but you could actually update your firmware on your HBA right inside the vSAN console, um, which is a pretty powerful tool for those that have, uh, have a vSAN array. So there's some pretty cool functionality built into uh, the vSAN health checks. All right, so we're coming out of maintenance mode here. All right, so it looks like 
The final thing I wanted to show you, looks like I only have a few minutes left, is I want to show you PRTG. This is a, um, an item that you can get a free version. Uh, it comes with 100 monitoring sensors, and I'm monitoring uh, my domain controllers. I'm monitoring their, their ping times, their DNS, their CPU loads, traffic, system uptime, uh, disk-free space in there, and then physical memory that's free. I'm monitoring, you know, my ping times, excuse me, my ping times to the cloud through Dropbox monitoring. Um, I've got my throughput on my wireless access point and ping to make sure that that device is up. These are SNMP sensors on my Cisco 3750 switch so I can see the bandwidth on each of the links that I'm currently using. Um, I don't have the 10 gig switch in here yet, but I, I will get that added once it's uh, more migrated and more in production. But here's FreeNAS. I can see the traffic flowing across that, uh, CPU load, disk free, and the volumes. So there's lots of different sensors you can add and 100 sensors in a home lab, you can see goes a long way. Um, here's my backup server, see my disk space, all of those metrics on there. Um, VMware environment, all kinds of metrics in there at the vCenter level and then also at the host level. So I would go out, if you have a home lab and you don't have any kind of a monitoring solution, that's, that's a free one. So you get quite a bit of monitoring with that 100 sensors in a, in a home lab there. Um, let's see. And it looks like this is all back. Let's go at answer that other question here with the capacity. It does take a little bit for the capacity screen to load. Yeah, so we're at 120 gigs in the nested six node. And that's all I had for demo. Really the only other thing I wanted to lead off with was um, find gear on eBay, Craigslist, Twitter, VMUG meetings, fellow IT geeks upgrading their labs. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out, see what people might be getting rid of, selling cheap or throwing away. Um, and for licensing, get involved in the community. You can become a V-expert. You can get th free 365-day licenses for almost every VMware product in a non-production environment. Or you can join VMUG Advantage. That's pretty cheap. That's about $200. Or if you get a coupon code, sometimes you can get it for $180. That covers a lot of the different products there. And as I mentioned earlier, don't be afraid to reach out to vendors. See if they offer NFRs for people trying to learn things and uh, further themselves in their home lab. And future expansion, we finish out the 10 gig network, as I mentioned, get some NVMe SSD and M2 PCIe adapters for the R710s for cache, and then use my 4x450 gig SAS drives and each of the three R710s, uh, get NSX deployed natively, and then I want to deploy the latest version of Horizon. It's been a few years since I played with that. I want to try out the BLAST protocol and uh, instant clones and some of the cool things I've heard about but haven't tried yet. Um, I'm going to get Blue Medora installed in my environment to get more metrics out of VROPS. Um, I started a v 
Sphere integrated containers deployment and then scrapped it because I heard the new version came out and is much easier. So I'm going to be deploying that. And then I also want to get vSAN in my Ravello V Expert Cloud Lab. So that is all I had. Any other questions? Uh, just one with the Vic uh, VMware integrated containers that you're going to be putting out. Will you be doing any sort of like follow up with a blog series or anything talking about use case and how it goes? Yeah, my immediate use case is just playing around with it. I'm not a big container guy. Um, some of that stuff, I'll be perfectly honest, goes over my head, but I want to play around with it. I want to learn it and I want to get um, my, my goal is I want to get a ubiquity container for my Unify management. That's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start small. Um, anything else? Uh, Graham says, very nice lab, and thanks for taking the time to show us. Uh, Val says, hey, Tony, great show from Home Library. Oh, awesome. Glad you can join. Uh, I do want to do a quick plug before we go of uh, join your local VMUG. Yes. There's very often um, VMUG Advantage given away to VMUG members. Uh, as yep. a VMUG leader, I know we, we give them away a couple of times a year. So please go to your local VMUG, figure out, you know, when that's going to happen and make friends, get involved, write blogs. Yep. Speaking of blogs, a shameless plug at the end here. Um, I already mentioned it, but one more plug here for my blog, digitalvspace.com. I will be finishing out a home lab series that I started um, last month. And I also co-host a podcast with Britton Johnson, who is at VCIXNV. And we talk virtualization. Uh, it's a podcast we started last summer and the blog I started last March. So keep those things going. Um, uh, we do have a special guest lined up for April. We are going to have Jason McCarty on our podcast. He is a senior technical marketing uh, guy at VMware for vSAN. And we are going to have him on talking vSAN on April 8th. So we'll get that, we'll get that recorded and then we'll get out, get that out there shortly after. Awesome. That's very cool. I'll definitely be checking that one out. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you. Thanks for your time. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us for tonight's V Brown Bag. Uh, check us out on youtube.com slash vbrownbag and vbrownbag.com. The show schedule on vbrownbag.com slash brownbags is now up to date through April. Uh, and this episode concludes the Home Lab series for now. So thanks, Tony, for bringing it home strong. And uh, we'll be starting a discussion on Kubernetes and infrastructure as code. And that should take us through the end of, of April. So awesome. uh, thank you and thanks, everyone.